Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Innovation Tech Talks. You are chopping it up with Chuck. I'm the editor-in-chief here with Innovation and Tech Today, and we have a very special guest for us on this episode of Innovation Tech Talks. We have with us the CEO of Enthusiast Gaming. They are building one of the world's largest platforms of communities for gamers and esports fans. Uh, it's already the largest gaming network in North America, and the company's business is comprised of three main pillars media, events, and esports, all stuff that we love. And we are here with the CEO, Adrian Montgomery. Adrian, how are you, sir? I'm good. I'm really excited to be here with you today. Well, thank you so much for joining us. You're like uh, you're like a confluence of all the things that we love, you know, <laughs> events, uh, esports, and gaming. I mean, this is this is like the trifecta on a Monday. Um, can you can you just give our audience a little background, kind of how you got into uh, where you are now? Yeah, look, um, I was the CEO of uh, a traditional sports and entertainment company headquartered in Vancouver. We owned a national hockey league team, the Vancouver Canucks. We owned a 20,000 seat arena. We had lacrosse teams and minor league teams and restaurants and wineries and all kinds of fun things. And we had an opportunity to host the biggest esports tournament in the world in August of 2018, being the Dota 2 International. And we were just looking to plug another event into our building's calendar when the hockey team wasn't playing and little did we, little did we know what we were in for um the thing <laughs> had a prize purse of 30 million dollars it sold out in an hour for six straight days which is almost unheard of and then when we walked into our own building and just saw the frenzy the costumes the the lineups to meet the broadcasters let alone the talent uh, we looked at each other and said, this is this is the future. Um, a month later, we'd purchased an Overwatch team. Month after that, we purchased Luminosity Gaming. Uh, and on we went, the dominoes tipped over. So that's really a little story about how I got here. You were you were at the right place, the right time, and you recognized something that was that was going to be big. That's that's about the size of it. I, I certainly am not a wasn't a gamer. Um, and, uh -huh. but, but was completely blown away. And I think it speaks to perhaps other things we'll talk about a little bit today, but when you realize that, um, for these fans of Dota 2, uh, or any video game that that gameplay, they're reacting to that gameplay the same way I would react, uh, to a Kansas city chiefs play by Patrick Mahomes. Um, when you see the realness of that experience, it, it changed my life. Is it that immersive element, you know, where the fans are actually engaged? I think, uh, you know, I've worked in sports a lot and the thing that blew me away about NASCAR wasn't just that they had big crowds and that they had logos all over the car. It was that the fans themselves were invested in the driver. And so they would wear and support, you know, if somebody was a, a Jimmy Johnson fan, they wouldn't be caught dead in a Home Depot. And so there was really this kind of, um, the fans were a part of the whole experience. It wouldn't be the same without it. Um, is that kind of one of the things you think that really legitimizes, uh, you know, esports and that connection between the fans? Truly, truly does. And I can tell you, we set in that Dota 2 in, in August of 2018, 
we set noise records in our building. Now this is this is a building that has hosted any manner of concert that has hosted uh, Stanley Cup final games, and yet we set noise records with the Dota Two International. I think that that says it all. And again, one of the one of the things about our industry that is certainly changing really fast, but we're, we used to come up against just good old fashioned age discrimination. And I think that uh -huh. middle-aged people, a lot of whom are chief marketing officers and presidents, um, they remember playing video games and they remember it being very antisocial, very binary. You either got to stage 20 of Pac-Man or you didn't. And so you just assume that there can't be the same relationship between a fan and the gameplay that there is between a traditional sport and the game and the fan. And when, when that barrier gets broken down as it was for us, it changes everything. Yeah. And, and, and I'm glad that you brought that up because it's so different now. First of all, the way that people consume content is different now. Um, you know, I've, I've got a nine-year-old daughter and for a while there, like all she wanted to do was watch videos of Minecraft, of people playing Minecraft. And that was her thing. That was her jam. Uh, you know, we didn't have that when I was coming up gaming, that, that wasn't really an option, but it seems like the Twitch, the YouTube, you know, the streaming, um, is really opened itself up to that's the kind of content they want anyways. They're not watching, um, you know, broadcast TV. They're not watching cable. That's a, you know, it's starting to get to where that's a weird thing for people to have, you know, normal cable and, and stuff like that. This, this really is the future. Where, where do you kind of see um, esports going, you know, as, the, as uh, this really becomes something that is massive? Well, there is a sea change happening in the world, and that is from even even above esports is uh, mm -hmm. Gen Zs. There's two and a half billion Gen Zs in the world today, and if you're to believe uh, the Bank of America, within seven or eight years, they're going to become the most disruptive generation ever. They've never spent a minute on Earth, unlike you and me without a, a smartphone. Um, they oftentimes don't distinguish between a human relationship and a, and a relationship they, they make over a console or a virtual relationship. And they're going to shake things up like no generation has ever uh, shook things up before. And for them, you and I, Maybe I shouldn't lump you in with me. Let me just talk about myself. But I was part of a generation that was a passive consumer of content. I sat in front yeah. of the TV and, and accepted what it gave me. People like your daughter, my kids, and I have a five and a seven-year-old, they're going from passive consumer of content to active participant in making their own content, commenting on their own content. You see those chat streams on Twitch, as you refer, uh, they, they're enough to melt your brain. But, but again, imagine if we were watching uh, Seinfeld or Friends and allowed to chat about it while it was happening in real time. Unbelievable changes. By, by now, they're, they're in the content-making process, uh, which is massively different. And, and that is going to have a, a, an incredible effect uh, on media consumption going forward.
Yeah, in a recent interview, you talked about video games becoming a valuable, you know, marketing tool for the youth. Can you kind of, you know, expand on that? Look, what, what we tell people is that if you need to engage meaningfully with a young person today, you absolutely have to have a video game strategy. For some of the reasons that you've already alluded to, three and four Gen Zs do not watch television. So if you're an advertiser, how can you find them at scale? It's very difficult to do. And not only is it difficult to find them, but it is difficult to communicate with them in a language that they're willing to listen to. Young people today have you know, short attention spans. They've got BS detectors that you can't force feed them some some standard form message and hope that it resonates. You have to talk to them in a language that they're willing to understand. And, and for young people, where can you find them at scale? You can find them playing video games or watching other people play video games or coming to the online communities uh, that Enthusiast Gaming has and others have. Um, how can you communicate to them in a language that they actually are willing to understand? Well, you talk to them and, through their love of video games. Um, and if you do both those things, you have a real shot at winning them over. And that's what the corporate world is really starting to realize in, in massive uh, volume right now. Well, speaking of corporate world, we've got to pay our bills over here. So we're going to pause just for a minute uh, to give a shout out to one of our sponsors, but then we'll be right back after that. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit more about kind of activating um, this young audience there. You know, uh, they've, they've actually, they've, they've come out and been involved in, in almost movements. Um, and there's a, there's a, I think, a, I think a lot of these young people, they are waiting to be um, part of some kind of a change that they would like to see. And I'd like to talk to you about how these platforms, you know, can serve a role in that and communicating with them. And we'll be right back with Adrian Montgomery, the CEO of Enthusiast Gaming, right after this. Today's episode of Innovation Tech Talks is brought to you by a truly innovative product. Steer offers add-on autonomous parking to virtually any vehicle. Cars need to park. People don't. Steer turns your car into a self-parking valet. Steer works with your vehicle's existing technology so you can step out of the car, give it commands via smartphone app to drive itself and search for parking spots while watching out for pedestrians and other vehicles, even detecting and obeying stop signs. When you're ready to roll again, simply summon your vehicle and it will pick you up. Pre-order yours today. Visit steer-tech.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Innovation Tech Talks. You are chopping it up with Chuck. I'm the editor-in-chief here with Innovation and Tech Today, and we have with us the CEO of Enthusiast Gaming, Adrian Montgomery. And thank you. Welcome back. Um, Adrian, talk to me about this, uh, this platform being used to um, you know, gaming, you know, esports, the, your guys' networks um, in communicating and activating you know, young people with the world we have today. Um, you mean with, with, from a company perspective or a, uh, advertising perspective or, or how, how, how do you mean it? Well, I, one of the things was, um, did your guys, this company play a role in the presidential election, um, as sure. far as, you know, kind of activating people? I think that's something that's interesting. I think that's a really good example of, of what we were just talking about, which is if you need to get a hold of young people, you need to do it through video games. 
Um, we were privileged to do a meaningful amount of work with the Biden-Harris presidential campaign. Um, and, and again, we're a media company. We were not taking sides in that election. Um, however, Biden-Harris made a strategic determination that they wanted to get young people to come out and vote and vote early. And that they believed was going to make a difference in their fortunes. Um, they immediately seized upon the, the high impact that a video game strategy could have. And they worked with us to run advertising on our YouTube channels and our websites, but it went far beyond that. Uh, they, we started creating customized content, which we ran on our YouTube channels, customized messaging. And then it all culminated about 72 hours before the vote. And this to me, Chuck, is um, a transformational moment for the industry. They took over a map in Fortnite and it became a Biden-Harris <laughs> map. And they used our influencers to take their followers through the map. And it was a whole Biden-Harris public policy message world in the game of Fortnite. And again, I'm old enough to remember when Bill Clinton went on the Arsenio Hall show and played the saxophone and went on MTV for the first time. And I then remember. Um, I remember. All, all these changes about how presidential politics were played from a media perspective. And you know what I tell people is four just four years ago, if you had extra money to spend, what would you do as a presidential campaign 72 hours before the vote? You'd probably take an hour of prime time on NBC or ABC and run an infomercial. Um, the Biden-Harris campaign spent it on Fortnite and they never sent out a press release. They never said, this is what we're doing. They never had to drive people to the game because they knew they were already there. Uh -huh. And I think that'll change things going forward. So yeah, customized messaging, customized platforms and the results speak for themselves. Kudos to them because a record number of young people came out to vote and vote early in the election. And I believe that the Biden campaign believes that that made a difference. Yeah. And it seems like uh, each election, one of the two sides, you know, will jump on that early, you know, kind of early technology. I remember, um, you know, when Obama was running, they said that he was he was really building the ground game, you know, with social media. We know that Trump used that. So I think it's cool that, um, you know, as the times change, we're reaching out using different mediums and these these candidates are smart in how they're how they're tapping into them. I think that there's a misconception that young people don't care about politics and things like that. I mean, what I've noticed is they do, they care about, you know, things like the environment, they care about, you know, uh, uh, issues that are facing them right now. I just think they express themselves a lot differently, you know, and we engage them a lot differently than maybe, you know, my parents that you see on Facebook or something like that. They definitely have passions uh, and it's cool to see when they come forward, they just, you, you got to go different routes to kind of get it out of them, you know, and, and to hear where it's coming from, at least what I've noticed with, uh, you know, my nephews and stuff like that. Yeah, I think that you're quite right. And, and Gen Z's and young people have a large social conscience. Um, the, the, the issues like climate change and the environment as examples matter to them, social justice. <clears throat> and, mm -hmm. but again, it's back to, it's not only where to find young people to communicate to them, but how to communicate to them. And again, I think 
you're right. Assumptions have been made in, in previous years and decades that, oh, young people don't vote. So don't bother with them. They just don't go out and vote. But no one really made an effort or an appropriate effort to say, well, how can we speak to them in a language that they're willing to understand? Obviously, MTV back in the day did it with Rock the Vote and all those sorts of campaigns. In addition to Biden, we did a lot of work with Charity Global Citizen um, and worked with them to drive awareness about the election and, you know, get out and exercise your democratic right. But, you know, you have to hand it to, 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 the, to the president of the United States who said, we have to do it special. We have to do it through video games. That's a really powerful conduit to getting in front of young people in, in a way they'll be receptive to. And again, that's going to forever change the landscape going forward. How has uh, the pandemic affected esports? You know, uh, obviously it's affected regular sports and and events. You know, all all told, um, how has it affected the the esports world? I think it's affected um, the esports world in three meaningful ways: two, two good, one not so good. Um, let's start with the not so good. Obviously, there has not there have not been live esports events as there have not been live events of all kinds during the pandemic <clears throat> and i think that's been a setback because again why am i here today because i saw an esports event live and in person i saw the reaction and i got taken away with it and the more and more people that are able to do that the more i believe esports will accelerate into the mainstream so it's been unfortunate that more and more uh, new adopters have not been able to see it and experience it firsthand. That's been the, the downside to the pandemic. On the upside, um, engagement levels soared. You know, at our company, we saw page views and session times increase by 30, 35%. You saw the same thing on Twitch. You saw the same thing on YouTube and Facebook gaming. So that was huge. Um, the other thing that happened that hasn't been given enough attention, esports, because while esports events couldn't happen in person, esports is the only sport that can continue to compete where you don't need five people in the same room at the same time. So the simple fact that these tournaments and gameplay were allowed to continue virtually made esports uh, emerge as a very interesting, incredible betting property. Las Vegas legalized betting for esports. New Jersey legalized betting. And you can't underestimate the impact that betting has on the popularity of a sport. The gold standard of traditional sports in America is the National Football League. But I would say, where would the National Football League be without fantasy? Where would it be without office pools? Dragging in people who aren't traditional fans, starting to care about it. The same impact that betting has on the popularity of a normal sport has has had on esports during the pandemic, and that's been a huge, huge accelerant that not enough people are paying attention to. And then the third uh, thing that's happened to esports during the pandemic, and this is the greatest advantage people like me have, is that it. I can I say this to marketing people all the time. Here's my pitch, but if you don't believe me just knock on your kid's bedroom door and just see what's going on in that room. Because if you don't believe me, I guarantee you that that's happening in your house. 
And so as, as parents have been staying home, they've been living with the obsession that young people have with gaming. And that's helped them realize, wait a sec, this, this is not a fad. This is not, this is taking over my household, but it's also taking it over in a positive way. Because if you have, you said you have a nine-year-old, I have a seven-year-old and a five-year-old. My seven-year-old plays Roblox. She can't get together with her friends uh, for play dates, but she still plays with them every night. And that social aspect of gaming has been a godsend during the pandemic. So three net positives or two net positives, one, one drawback, but I think the pandemic has helped raise the awareness of esports. Yeah, and also it really translates what I noticed. Uh, there was a period of time for a month where there was no sports. And like on ESPN, they had like horse, you know what I mean? Like this was this weird time where <laughs> yeah. we were trying to figure out what the heck are we going to watch to get our sports fix? And what I noticed was Madden, you know, that was being played. And what I noticed was that any of these video games that all of a sudden we were finding, you know, on ESPN and stuff like that, they translated really well. Like the watchability for the fans, you know what I mean? These are great graphics. These are, you know, this is not Tecmo Bowl. Uh, this is a really cool experience for, for the people that are watching, you know, even if you're not playing, I just think it lends itself to being really cool and almost exciting, especially, you know, the first person shooters and everything like that. It translates over pretty well, um, you know, to the people that are watching. And I guess that really sort of vaulted it up to the very top of uh, content options that were available. I totally agree with that. And look, as, as Woody Allen says, 95% uh, of life is showing up and uh, esports was able to show <laughs> up in those first few months of the pandemic when traditional sports couldn't. And once they filled that void and, and showed themselves to be that visually stimulating, exciting uh, pastime, um, look, people ask me all the time, they say, when the pandemic is over, does this go back to normal? And I firmly believe that it does not. Um, the relationship between young people and gaming does not depend on the weather. It does not depend on stay at home orders. Uh, you know, you could go into a resort in the Caribbean, see a bunch of parents crying because they spent all this money on a vacation and they still can't pull their kids out of the room. Um, and look, you might be experiencing that firsthand. I certainly am experiencing that firsthand. It's not like it's 80 degrees and sunny and, and the kids lock the, the smartphones in the drawer and say, oh, now we can go toss a Frisbee around. Uh, it, that, that doesn't happen. So uh, the fact that they were able to fill that vo void esports, it's just going to stay there. Um, there's no going back. I absolutely love talking to you. I know we're kind of running out of time here. Um, can you just let the audience know what what do you guys have kind of on tap uh, for 2021? You know, what should we look for uh, from Enthusiast Gaming? Um, you know, kind of it's a new year and new start. And I think everybody's, uh, you know, we made it through last year and now here we are. And it's like, okay, what what's on tap for, for 2021 and beyond? Well, what's on tap for Enthusiast Gaming, look, we're all about building a world of communities for, for hardcore gamers and esports fans. And we've, we've achieved this level of you know, audience. We've got 300 million uh, people around the world every month and 65 million in the US. But what I'm particularly excited about that we're hard at work in, in the secret laboratories of Enthusiast Gaming, we're gonna create so much 
content. Um, our Luminosity Esports organization, we're going to do things. We're going to have talent competitions. We're going to be uh, doing uh, incredible events with music and gaming, fashion and gaming. Uh, come to the Luminosity Twitch channel. We're going to really um, take a giant leap forward as a producer of incredibly compelling content that I think is going to further strengthen the bond between us and our audience. And so that's what I'm really excited for. And I would encourage everyone to, to, to keep monitoring our progress on that front. I love it, man. You, it's, it's so much fun to talk with you because I can tell you've really got a passion for this and, uh, and this is just fun stuff. So thank you so much for joining us. Um, can you let the audience know like any last minute shout outs or, you know, where they can find you or, or more about enthusiast gaming? Uh, enthusiastgaming.com. Um, come to LG Loyal, our, our Twitch channel, Luminosity, one of the biggest or esports orgs in the world. And you know, if if your if your audience really needs to find me, then you, I guess you're just going to have to invite me back sometime. We're going to do it because you know what? Uh, we are one of the only print publications in North America that still has, you know, print and digital, a robust gaming section. And we think that gaming and entertainment is definitely here to stay and really appreciate what you're doing, you know, to drive the industry forward. So thank you so much for being a guest with us. Um, this was a lot of fun. Hey, to everybody that's listening right now, uh, make sure that you like and uh, if you if you enjoyed this, hit the subscribe button. Make sure you share with your friends, and don't forget to follow us and Enthusiast Gaming on social media so that you can stay up on the story and keep an eye on everything that's happening right now. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode of Innovation Tech Talks. We'll see you next time. Take care.